um, lead-in questions. Uh, we've got a current event that is horrific today um, that we want to talk about, and I want to uh, maybe pray again. Father, bless you and thank you for this, sir, this uh, time of discussion today. I pray that what we say will be helpful and uplifting, and I pray that we'll find strength and grace, and may it be a blessing to those who are gathered here today. And I pray that the answers we give lift them and help them find um, maybe some peace and some of the questions they may have about these turbulent political times that we're living in. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. The first thing I want to say in regards to this current event is I am just horrified by what happened in Las Vegas. I am horrified. Uh, I've stood in that very spot where that happened. Um, I've been uh, there uh, on several occasions. Uh, they have a family side. Some of you gambling know they have, a, they have a nice family side that they've added to Las Vegas. There's some uh, wonderful things, um, some um, Cirque du Soleil shows that I really like. Uh, uh, and some other things that I've enjoyed over the years. Uh, they even have some uh, hotels that, are, that have no casinos in them, and they're just family-oriented. Um, but to see that kind of thing happen um, was just horrific. And so, Lord, we pray for those people. We pray for healing and their families. And we also lift up before all of the tragedies we've seen in these last 60 days. It's been amazing. But we pray specifically today just for Las Vegas and ask your grace on them in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Um, the question that I think would be a, a, the current event question is what do I think about gun control? Uh, this is the kind of question that this event raises uh, in a lot of people's minds. And I thought I'd just give a simple biblical answer. John chapter 18, verse 10 the real question would be, in Peter's day, what about sword control? Because they carried swords. And to argue to not be able to defend yourself, uh, Paul even talked about it. If you remember a couple of Sundays ago, I talked about, Paul said in, in, um, in 2 Corinthians I think, uh, verse 20, chapter 27, he said something about um, he was in the deep, he had to fight off, he had to fight off um, um, robbers. And so there the reality that um, some people face, depending on where you live, you live in parts of the country where there are wild beasts running around, and you may not believe that's true. Some run in my backyard. so. But uh, there are places in the country, uh, if you're walking, uh, there are cougars loose, um, um, bears loose. I mean, uh, when I was in L.A., it was so funny. Um, uh, don't take this wrong. Don't read this wrong. Just don't misunderstand it, okay? But it's, uh, and they wanted me to stay and, of course, take the church. And I, and one of the guys said, well, we're going we're gonna to buy you a house. And, and it's, it's really nice. It's up in the hills. And, um, and, um, and now there are bears that come out. They said this to Diane. There are bears uh, that come out. And I said, you mean zoo bears? You mean the kind of bears that are in zoos? They, yeah, just don't when they, they they go to your trash or something. But just don't 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 let that scare you off. They're they're fine. They won't bother you. Don said, "Really? Okay, thank you. That's, that's enough information for me." Um, but there are places you live where carrying a weapon is a smart thing. If you are a person out in nature, if you're a hunter, uh, I have friends who hunt. I was with some friends in Dallas this week. They hold family hunts. They are, matter of fact, they use bow and arrows. Uh, they hunt with bow and arrows. They hunt with guns. They hunt with, they, and they train their children. I mean, 
Uh, I've got friends who um, train their children to hunt and, and skin the animal and do all the stuff. To, and they, they, I, me, I go to the grocery store, but they do all this stuff. And, that's it. and they're proud of it. And they'll tell you, you know, we're gun-toting people. You know, uh, they made a joke at the service I was in on Sunday. I was with 4,000 leaders on this past week. Diane and I was invited up to speak uh, and do a part of the service there. And, and, um, and uh, they said, yeah, you know, we shoot you in Texas. They, that's what they said. I thought, okay, that's a funny joke. But um, I, I just think that's it's different. So um, I don't know that, that if you look at the Bible, when you have in this story I, I gave you in, in uh, Luke, chapter, John chapter 18, verse 11, 10 through 11, uh, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Now, that wasn't the right use of it. That's called salt. That's not a good thing. But, you know, Jesus healed himself. No, maybe the salt went away. But Jesus, um, in this story, tells us that it was obviously common for them to carry weapons and swords. So I don't know that I think that it's wrong. I do think that, that there are boundaries that should exist. Someone asked me, they said, well, do you think they need machine guns? Probably not. And there is a need to talk about where boundaries need to be, and that's, that's, that's a good thing. Um, I don't have a problem with that conversation. I think that's a healthy conversation. I just think that um, you don't want to get to the point that you make it all about what it's not about. And um, so if you're going to have a gun control conversation, have a reasonable one, a fair one, but in the Bible, it wasn't uncommon for them to carry swords. And so having said that, um, but I, again, I am not for everything I see happening with weapons. I am not for all, all that I see. Um, I definitely am horrified by what happened in Vegas. I wish there was any way that we could have prevented that. And if there was any way we could do that to, to stop these mass shootings, if there was something we can do to prevent that, if we can. But part of what you're going to hear me say today, the biggest problem is that we're divided. And a house divided can't make a decision. And so you can't even have a reasonable conversation. So um, my, 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 my bottom line is uh, I can't say, um, uh, you know, I, all I can say is what the Bible said, John 18, they had swords. And so that's the end of that question. Number two, uh, beginning questions for today. That's the that's the, that's the um, the question for the current event. Uh, why, why, in my view, is what in my view is the current political? Uh, what is my view of the current political leadership? And I, what I, I try to do is come up with the three lead questions I thought you would ask the most, and and you can kind of tell me whether you, you know, if you want to add to this question or something like that. But my answer to this is going to be twofold. Uh, let me start with the second part of the answer. First of all, the Bible says that we are called to respond and respect leadership. Romans chapter 13 is pretty clear. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment to themselves. Uh, for rulers are not a terror, not supposed to be, to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the, from the same, for he is, the, he is God's minister to you for good. Now, what I want you to first see is the Bible says this is what the ideal leader is supposed to be like. The ideal leader, the ideal person in charge is supposed to be a safe person to go to, uh, a person who protects you, uh, police officers, government officials, 
uh, senators, congressmen, judges, all those people are put in place, and he calls them ministers of God. Romans chapter 13 is a great study because what it basically says is these people are supposed to be put into an office that focuses on the affairs of, of the citizen. That's what politics means. The word politics basically means a person who focuses on the affairs of the citizens. They basically look at what we need, and they help make sure that it's done. They, they are the servants of the people. That's their basic job. And if he does the job right, these things should be true. You shouldn't be afraid of him if you're doing what's right. You shouldn't have to worry about being shot or hurt or maimed or anything if they do what they're supposed to do. The problem is if you lose sight of what leading is really about. In Matthew chapter 20, here's what you learn. Leaders are called to be servants. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Leaders are called to be servants. They, they call that in business um, servant leadership. And at the, at the root of what Jesus taught about leadership in Matthew 20, he said basically that a, whoever is the greatest among you is to be your servant. Now, here's, here's my answer to this. I believe, to answer the question, what do I believe about the current political leadership? I think that the problem is there's not enough servant leadership that we're seeing. I think we're having a lot of challenges when it comes to feeling as a nation that we're all okay. There's, there's a whole lot of strife and tension, and it's the job of the leaders, president on down, on down to the mayor, on down to the city manager. The, those that are in political power, it's their job to unite us. If they fight among themselves, and I've said this to our officials locally, I've said if you fight among yourselves, the criminals win. If the county fights against you know, the city and the city fights against the county and everybody's fighting against everybody for territory, then we all lose. And so those that are in political office need to see themselves as servant leaders. And that means you can speak truth to them because they serve. You should be able to speak truth to power. What we have now is we have a lot of unfortunate dynamics that are very unpleasant and very uncomfortable, and I don't like it. I think it's, um, I think it's unhealthy. I think it's um, in poor taste. Um, and I, I, I think you have to see it's not just, you know, Democrats against Republicans, and it's not the president just against the Democrats. He's against, he jumps on everybody. He jumps on the Republicans. He jumps on, he jumps, he's, he's no respected person. He just gets everybody. Everybody gets a tweet. Everybody gets a point. And, it's, and, and if it's not him, it's the senators against each other. And if it's not the senators against each other, it's just, it, they, they just all take turns. And I think that's unfortunate for our country. I think it's unfortunate for us, but it happens in churches, true. It happens in local governments. It happens on jobs. I think we all can learn how to become better leaders um, by watching what we're seeing and uh, voting with, uh, with, with, with sincerity. If you don't like what you see, then vote the other way. Um, but I have learned a very interesting thing because all the people I was with this weekend, most of them, um, were people who were strong Trump supporters. I want to just throw it out there. And I think it's really good for me to have a mixed relationship with people that are Trump supporters, non-Trump supporters, um, um, Republican, Democrat, liberal, independent. I, I'm forced by virtue of what I do to interact with everybody. And what I've seen happen that concerns me is that the black church and the evangelical church are becoming miles apart when it comes to politics. And what's really, what I'm working hard to not let happen to me 
is that all my friends that are on the right side are, are, are you know, in one place and all my friends on the left side over here. And, and now the enemy couldn't divide us. Uh, well, he's been successful dividing us through race, through doctrine, through all kinds of things. Now added into that is politics. And I think that's sad. And I think it hurts the work of the kingdom. So I've, I fight against that. I made an intentional effort to maintain my friendships. And I was called last week, and I was asked, and this is, this is to show you the power of this, and you'll see it down the road. I was invited to go to Gateway Church, which is um, uh, Robert Morris, who's a good friend of mine, pastors about, they have 90,000 people there a, a month. And uh, he said, I want you to come, and I want you to tell, uh, I'm doing a sermon on racism, and I want you to come, and um, I want you to, um, I want you to tell your story, and I want you to tell your wife's story. Um, my story was that my family um, was owned by Thomas Spaulding, a U.S. congressman uh, at Saplow Island, Georgia, and I just discovered a lot about that. It's been fascinating what I've learned. And Diane's family, um, uh, Fripp Island, uh, her great-great-grandmother um, was killed when uh, they left um, um, the, when, she, when, her, when they, they had a baby, and he freed the mother, her great-great-grandmother, and when he freed her the, um, on the boat, she was shot and killed, and then the baby is a horrible story. Anyway, so, so that whole story, we told that in the context of his sermon. So he preached another friend of mine. You ever heard of uh, Ken Ulmer, Bishop Ken Ulmer? He got up, and so he preached a sermon. He paused the sermon. Ken Ulmer got up, and he told his story, which was amazing. Uh, he was on a, um, he was in a choir as a kid. And he was the only black kid, and they were all going on some boat. I think it's named the Armstrong. I'm not sure. And when they went to get on the boat, his father was so proud, and his son was the only black guy on in the choir, and his mother was all dressed up. They went to get on the boat, and the guy looked at um, his father and said, where you going, boy? He said, sir, my son's in the choir, and we're going to go. And he said, um, he said, um, no, we don't let niggers own this boat. Boy, he told that story, brought us all to tears. It was powerful. And he pointed, he said, that he got my daddy's face. He said, no, you get on out here. I'm going to run you in if you don't get on out here. Put his finger in his daddy's face. And he said, I hated white people. He said, I'm a recovering racist. He told that story. It's powerful. I'm going to bring it here let you see it. He, they're going to put it all together, edit it, and it's going to be going to be distributed all over. Then I got up after him. And I told a brief part of my story. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not bitter, I'm better. When I drive by Sapo Island, I realize my great-great-grandfather was a slave here. But I'm bitter. I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm better. And then Diane told her story. And then we prayed, and it was great. And then it was just wonderful. So my point is, there are bigger issues than politics that we should that, that, That's kingdom work. Everybody say amen to that, huh? That, so you can't, if, if the enemy wants to put you in a position where you can't get past stuff and you get stuck in places. And that's an illustration of how important it is for me to maintain relationships and say, well, we'll put this over here right now. And we may disagree on a few points, but it's okay. Jesus is still Lord. Everybody say amen. All right, so you'll see that later now. Let me move on. Um, next question on sheet. What are the benefits of this challenging political season? The benefit of all this is education. You now know what you didn't know. Always be happy to learn how people see the world. If, if a certain percentage of the country thinks a certain way, you want to know that. 
because you can't fix anything if you don't know it. Sometimes you want to be uninformed. That's bad. You should want to be informed. And so when people share their views, what you don't need to feel responsible to do is to change their views. You just want to log them. So now I know how you feel. And I have very in, engaging conversations with friends about political issues. And believe me, I got views about all of it. I'm not going to, that's not my job here. My job here is to give you some biblical basis, some place so you can kind of land somewhere and just to help you understand how, how I'm seeing it. And then, uh, and, and how, the, how the Bible sees it. Then, uh, let's see, the third question is this. Is it the responsibility of government to give us a good life? A lot of things, uh, and you may ask me about health care and all that in the context of this, is it the responsibility of government? There's a couple of verses I want you to see. There are two things I want you to be really clear about in the Bible. We're called to be self-stewards. Can you say that word, please? Come on. Self-stewards. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 basically says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Now, early in our history, that was the conviction of everybody. It's not what your country can do for you, right, but what you can do for your country. That, that the mindset shifted in the 70s and 80s to a more welfare mindset and a debt mindset. There's a lot of things that came in the 70s and 80s that really kind of took us to another place in our attitudes. Um, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says that we ought to bear one another's burdens. Verse 5 says that we ought to carry our own burdens. In other words, you only need help when you can't carry it. It's not somebody else's job to carry it for you. So the answer to the question, is it the government's job? At one level, no. At one level, yes. Here's the yes part of it. And Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, I love this verse. I just, I, just, I just discovered this verse. Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans was preaching a sermon on Monday night, I think it was, and he quoted this verse, and I thought, oh, I missed it. I missed this whole verse. And in it, he was describing what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said one of the things that people think is that they were judged in the Bible. You know, that's what God rained down fire on the whole city. They were judged just because of their moral choices. He says, no. In chapter 16, verse 49, he says, Sodom didn't take care of the poor. They ignored the poor. God's judgment came upon them because they ignored the poor. Romans 13 says it is the government's job to provide and care for people in a safe way. They make it safe for people. Ezekiel says that God judges people, as an example, Sodom and Gomorrah, when they don't care for the poor. Jesus talked about it a whole lot. I was in prison. You didn't visit me. I was poor. You didn't clothe me. So there's a responsibility that we all have to care for the poor. And do I think government should care about that? Yes. Do I think that government should provide health care for everybody? Do I think that that's a fair thing? I think they should care about it. I think, see, the problem is when you're divided, you can't figure out what to do for everybody. So when you're divided and you're having a conversation, you, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't give everybody what they need. And I think that's unfair. You know, there are people who are saying, well, you know, we, we take in $16 billion, trillion dollars a year as income as a, as a country, but we're spending $16.5 trillion. We're spending almost a half a billion more than we take in. Our deficit is at $20 trillion. You understand that, right? In simple math. Okay, I make $1,000 a month, but I spend $1,000 a month, but I spend $1,500, right? So if I spend $1,500 in two months, how much of a deficit will I have? $1,000. So our country takes in $16 trillion, but we spend $16 trillion, 500 or six, 500 and some billion. So we're spending $500 billion more than we take in. 
So in the end, at end of two years, we, we've already racked up another what? Billion. Are you tracking with me? So we're spending more than we take in. So people are saying, how can we afford health care for everybody? How can we afford? The problem is it's going to cost what it's going to cost. We either deal with it together and work together to find common answers. We ha- there's give and take, but you've got to care about everybody. And so I think one of the things that I, I love about the Bible is it calls us to care about the poor. You can't just ignore the sick. You can't just ignore the people that are hurting. But what's going to make it work is unity. A house, record it with me, please, come on. A house divided against itself cannot make a decision. I just kind of helped that along a little bit. A house divided against itself can't, can't get enough money saved. Can't make fair cuts. Because everybody's thinking about themselves. And so I think that's the danger in our political environment. Whatever you're seeing that makes you angry and frustrated, I say, ah, please, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that. Just see the bigger picture. Now, that's it. Those are the lead questions. I'm done for the day unless you got questions for me. So let's do this for a second, please. Let's have some fun. Everybody stand on your feet for a minute. I'm gonna just pause for a minute, would you please? Walk around and tell somebody, say, that was amazing. And then talk to each other for a couple of minutes. Say, that was amazing. Tell them what you think. Say, that was amazing. That was interesting. That was amazing. I thought, wow, wasn't that just interesting? <laughs> And see if they've got a question. Come on. See if they've got a question for the pastor. Politics. All right. All right. You may be seated. Mics are on the floor. I think we have one question online too, don't we? One that was emailed in. Is that right or no? If we do. Okay, before we get that, how many questions do we have? Raise your hand if you've got a, a political question. One here, one here. Where are we at? Let's start here. Raise your hand. Pass the mic to her, please. And then up here, sir, on the front. we got one right here, right there. Okay. All right. Pastor. Yes. Um, I, I hear you, and I hear the gospel, you know, about, you know, respect for authority. And yet, I've got a problem. Mm-hmm. I've got a problem when the authority causes more than half of the problems that we as a nation have to face. I know there's things that, you know, they can't help, like, you know, the storms and so forth. But nonetheless, the treatment of people when they're going through hardship because of those storms or uh, trying to eliminate uh, many of the good things that have been established, things as simple as Sesame Street. At one time, they wanted to report a, a budget to get rid of public you know, television and certain things that benefit our, our kids. And I see daily, uh, on a daily basis, where they're you know, proposing things with education that make me, as a former educator, just want to just make me want to holler. As, uh, <laughs> you know. So you want to know how to deal with that, how to do that? And how, yes, how do you personally uh, get to a point where you're able to make some sort of peace within yourself with that because I, I look at it as I can understand if we can, uh, you know, respect them, respect them. But how do you respect this foolishness out here and, and, and remain, you know, centered on the gospel about it when you, you're saying, my God, this is, this is utter foolishness? Well, let me say this to you. Thank you for your question. Thank you. Um, and uh, you can pass it back to him. Part of, part of what I think is you have to learn in life is how to manage difficult, difficult moments, 
when you are in the room with people who disagree with you, who have a different view of the world, and can you find a way to make it work? Because here's the real deal. It's like a marriage. <laughs> Look, we live in this house. Now, we, gotta, <laughs> we can either fight about this or we can work this out. You know, we just have to come. And it's the same thing with the kids. What works for everybody? You know, what schedule works? What, what financial dynamics work? Um, and I think you, 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 you have to realize that at the end of the day, either we're going to either shoot each other and kill each other, which is not a good idea, or we're going to, to work it out peacefully. I don't agree with some of the educational choices. I don't agree with some of the cuts. But there are other people who don't agree with me. So what do we do? We work it out. And I think a house divided can't make a decision. They can't, and that's the problem. So the real issue is to unite and, and pray. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy to pray for our country. And how often do you pray for them? I find myself praying a lot more because that's going to help us more than being angry um, and, and name-calling. And I think that's, that's an, an unfortunate thing that I see in our current political environment and tagging people with names and funny titles. I think that's un unhealthy, and I think it, it, it gives you a license to, build, to bully and be mean. It gives you a license to, um, to not really hear them and see them as people, even though maybe it's in jest or maybe you're just being sarcastic. But I think that this, these are all serious issues to people, and respect is at the core. So I agree with that, but I, I think we have to work together. Somebody else has a question right here? Yes. Pastor, taking it as a given that what we feed grows, what we starve dies, mm -hmm. and take as a given that if there's asymmetrical power or if I've got the power and you ain't, um, would you talk a little bit about what feeds this type of political leadership approach that we see, presidential, congressional, et cetera? Thank you. I think what feeds it is an assumption that's not been tested. It's been proven in history it doesn't work. You know, it, people want freedom. People want to be respected. People want to be loved and honored. And I think that the whole doctrine of servant leadership, if you study servant leadership, the benefit of it is it inspires people. It's a better way to inspire people. Uh, they did a study one time, and they, they had um, uh, a daycare would charge you extra if your kids were late. You were late picking up your kids. And the assumption was if we charge you $25, then, you know, you're going to feel bad and not do it. What happened was the reverse. Um, people before... Uh, other daycares would argue, listen, you know, Sarah needs to get off. She's got kids, and if you are late, then Sarah's going to be late getting her kids, so please come get your kids. That they felt a relationship with Sarah and felt more com committed to getting back to pick up their kids because they didn't want to offend Sarah, the teacher who was waiting with their kids. You with me? When they charged $25, the people said, well, I paid for it. <laughs> so they were later. It didn't work. So sometimes being mean to people and leading in this way uh, creating all this conflict and all this stuff that goes on, it does more to create division and harm. Uh, and it's an assumption that, that, that leaders have that I think they, if they looked at history, uh, they would see that, it's, that it doesn't work. But I think sometimes we step into positions of power. I've seen pastors do it, and they assume things that aren't true. 
the reason I'm doing this, the reason I talk to you like this is, first of all, I know most guys wouldn't do it, but I also know I learned something. I learned what concerns you. We would, I would never know what you're thinking if I didn't listen. That's why this whole month is about listening. What is it about? Listening. It's not just me talking. So in short, I think it, it, you know, um, it's, it's not a good choice. It's fed by naivety. It's fed by um, people who are idealistic, uh, but not real, sometimes realist. They're not fair. Um, it, it does, this will not work, and it's already proven in a lot of ways. Where are the questions? I have one up here. This brother right here has been waiting forever. Um, and I'm going to come to you second. I promise you. He's been waiting. You're so patient. Thank you. What's your question? Keep talking, man. Have faith. My question, Pastor, is that um, in Romans 13, it says, there's no authority except from God. Mm -hmm. And the authority that exists are appointed by God. Right. You got to help me to understand this. Did God appoint our current leader of this country? And it's clear to me his... Uh, um, character is flawed, and I'm not. Uh, okay, you said I'm there. I'm there. I'm not uh, judging. Right. But why do so many people agree and follow? First of all, I, I think we, if we're going to be fair, all of us are flawed, and and I, I agree that the the problem with being the president is people get to see it in in, in living color, you know. But if, if I were in charge, if you were in charge, some of the decisions you'd make, I hope you wouldn't, it wouldn't be like this, but you wouldn't do some of these things. But, I mean, let me just say we're all flawed. But I, I, I think, responding to the verse, the point of the verse is not that God picked the leader. The point of the verse is that God established leadership authority, that there is authority in leadership. He established, when, 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 when man wanted a king, in 1 Samuel, God told him, he said, now when you get a king, here's what it's going to be like. They're going to have authority. They're going to they're send your daughters and your sons to war. They're going to tax you. He gave him a list of things in Israel. This is what comes with a king. And so God established the position of leadership. God didn't give him that character of leadership. Okay? So if you can separate those two, um, that's really important. I always tell Christians that bothers them. I say, Christ is not a Christian, and Christians are not Christ, and that bothers people. But in reality, Christians are trying to be like Christ. Everything we do isn't like Christ. Every way we run the church, everything that we say and do isn't perfect. Our theologies aren't perfect. We're learning and growing, all of us. Uh, I do the best I can, but I'm still learning and growing. So in short, uh, I think that this is a guy that we're watching grow in public. Um, I think he's, he's, definitely, he's definitely got some things he's working through. And um, God did not assign him those, those characteristics, uh, and hopefully some of those things will change and evolve. And that's from people who are working with him, that I know are working with him. They'd say that. They'd say, we are talking, we're saying, we're asking you not to tweet like that. We're, and he, sometimes he listens. That's what they told me. Sometimes he listens, sometimes he don't listen to us. And so, but at least here's their position. We're here to say it to him. That's what they told me. So having said that, what else can I say? My brother, yes. Talking about the uh, gun control, mm -hmm. I saw a young man on C-SPAN about a couple of weeks ago. He had studied the Second Amendment and why it was in the Constitution. And he found out in his studies that the right to bear arms and to have a well-established and equipped militia 
was probably put in mostly by the southern states that you, they can control the slaves, that people that be were well-established and have guns and weapons to control the slaves. You want to know my opinion about that? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's one way to interpret it. I think, thank you for thank you taking my break. I, I think um, the people in the West would probably argue it was to defend, protect themselves against other issues. Um, the bearing arms, uh, and I'm not a Second Amendment scholar, but I, 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 I think that that's one, one approach. I don't know that everything was about that. I mean, I think, um, I, I wouldn't say that. I would, I would have questions about that. But, I, but it's not to say that that's not true for the southern states. And I, I don't need to defend it. I mean, I, all I'm saying is it doesn't, it doesn't matter um, that the southern states had some biases regarding a lot of things that they wanted. But so did these northern states. And so there were biases on both sides. The bottom line is they came to an agreement. And the agreement was we have the right to bear arms. So that's where we ended. And so that's the Constitution we have, and we got to function with that now. So nothing else I can say about that other than um, it, it may need to be looked at. And, and, but, again, as long as we're divided, it's going to be hard to look at anything. Somebody else have a question? Yes. Uh, online, uh, Stephen, uh, Manba had an uh, article and says that 80% of conservative uh, really, uh, uh, leaders support our president because they're going to get uh, Supreme Court justice, and they're going to be able to control the Supreme Court. My question is, should man be trying to make man laws to have a spiritual problem, like abortion? <laughs> I, I think that it's fair. I, I'm, I'm anti-abortion, but I got a lot of people who've had them. And whenever you talk about abortion, you're in the room with people who've had them. So always, you know, when you, when you talk about gay people, there are gay people in the room. When you talk about people... That, you know, that doesn't change the standard of what I believe. I believe that, I, I don't believe that man can create laws that force people to obey God's laws. But I do believe that as a citizen of this country, I have the right to air my opinion uh, at the ballot box and in, in speech to what I think is morally right and morally wrong. And the Bible is my basics, basis for my convictions, so I can argue that. But I don't think that I can legislate holiness. But having said that, I can speak to it. And I think that you have a responsibility. John the Baptist spoke to it. Jesus spoke to it. They talked about things that people were doing. Paul did in Corinthians a lot. He talked about sex outside of marriage. He talked about drunkenness. He talked about... Um, lying, Ten Commandments. Is, I mean, the Ten Commandments is, is a political speech. You know, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal. There, there were moral guidelines. The problem comes in, God has given man free will. How do I live? John, John 17 is one of the greatest places in the Bible, I think, because it says, I'm not going to take you out of the world. I'm going to keep you from the evil. But you're going to have to manage how to be a light in a world that's dark. What, you, what you're going to, you have to understand, the Bible says that in the last days, things will get worse and worse. The Bible says that ultimately this is not going to be resolved in any political forum. It's not going to be resolved, wasn't resolved when Obama became president. It's not going to be resolved by, by Trump or anybody else. Genesis, Revelation 19 say, I'm going to come back and resolve this myself on a white horse with a sword. 
And he said, he said, in the end, it's going to be judgment. He said, that's what the Bible says. So I think you have to be clear that there is something that we can do and we should speak to and we can vote and we can, we can protest, I mean, in, in a peaceful way. But I think that there, there and sometimes it, it, it's taken more than that. I mean, there are times when, you know, Hitler tried to take over the world. You had to do more than protest. You had to fight. So there, there, there's a, like, I think I love the way that Solomon said in, in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for talk, there's a time for fighting, there's a time for peace. My, my prayer is that we find peace because fighting has a, if you've been in the war, it's, it, it's not where we want to go. And I don't think that we will ever make laws that will make all men change. Here's what I, I thought about this morning on the way in. Sin. When I thought about why this guy did this thing in Las Vegas, sin. We need to pray for the hearts of men. That's why we need to evangelize and win people to Christ. That's the greatest thing I think we can ever do. I've got a, I'm almost out of time, believe it or not. I'll take how many, three more questions. Raise your hands if you didn't get to ask me a question. One here. Let me see where you are. Where else? Uh, I, I got to get those who haven't spoken yet. So I see two. Who else? That's it? Okay. And you ask, we'll talk more at, at the after church if you have another question because I'm, I'm going to end this. One and two and we're done for the day. Okay, yes. Pastor, um, sure. this has gone through my mind since uh, this leader that we have was elected. He's not qualified. Mm. He's arrogant. This is just, you know, my personal my opinions. Okay. He's arrogant, and he's really uh, a dummy as far as what we have as a president. That's tough, but, sister girl. <laughs> I'm going to just pray on all that. That's hard. <laughs> but my question to you is, we had a, uh, someone was running that was very qualified. She was first lady, a, a senator. But do you feel, it's my opinion, uh, do you feel that America was not ready for a woman as president. No, I don't think that's why she didn't win. I don't think that's. I don't think that's why she went. I think. I think that. First of all, let me let me let me preface this and say this is just my approach. Okay, so that everybody's clear. The way we talk about leadership is very important to me, in terms of the the, the words we choose and the, the way we describe them. I and I respect you know the frustration you're facing, but I think that historically. Um, a person can only be what they are, and you just get to see what they are and how they feel. And I, I've made a decision to honor the role of leader. I've decided that I won't call any names, I won't say certain things, because I understand if I think it's wrong on his side to do that, if I think it's wrong to tag people with nicknames and joke about their name, I'm not going to do that with him. Um, I pray for him. I pray for his success. I pray for our country's success. As far as qualifications between the two, um, they both had issues and challenges politically that made this a very uniquely difficult election for everybody. Um, and in my role as a pastor, I cannot endorse a candidate. My 501c3 would be at risk. If you tape me endorsing a candidate, you could take it to the IRS and play it and say, see what he did, and they'll come in here and take our nonprofit status from us. So... I won't be endorsing anybody, even me, <laughs> because I love the fact that we have a 501c3. And that's the trade-off. The trade-off, the reason they did that was so that you could not have us endorsing and, and paying. They could, they, we, we could end up, um, well, you could argue about whether that law was even fair. That was a whole, that's another whole question. Some people wanted to abolish that and give us the right to speak. And black church has done it for years 
uh, for regarding civil rights and stuff. So there's arguments on both sides of that, and I do. I think they call it the Lyndon, Lyndon G. Johnson rule or something like that, something like that, right? They when this whole 501c3 trade-off came about, and uh, I hope I got my facts right here, but um, where you couldn't endorse a candidate if you got a nonprofit status. So in short, I won't be able to endorse or say who's better or who's worse, but I can say this. I think that all of us were saddened by the atmosphere that was created. And I think that when the time is right, a woman will become president. And I think a woman's qualified to be one. Um, the system is the system. Obama won through the Electoral College. They swung it in those elections to his advantage, and he won. No one thought that was going to happen this time, even Trump. I think he was surprised he won, too. So, so, it, but, so he's, it's one, you know, it swung to his advantage. Um, I think um, we will all learn a lot. And like I said, what's the benefit of all this? Education. And so God, look, the world doesn't end. One of my friends sent me a text and said, the world won't end today. It will be okay. Pray for his success. Look, if the guy driving is driving and you in the car, your best bet, is to pray for him to drive safe. Come on, say amen. You hear me? So, so whether you like him, whatever you think, you need to understand he's got the wheel and he's got those bomb codes or whatever that is, the atomic codes. And so you may not want him to have them, but he got them today. And so just understand. But here's what I think you learn, how it feels to be on the other side. There are people that I know that didn't like Obama at all. And, and they were just as distraught as, as you are. And I think that you have to learn how to be on both sides of that. Paul said, I learned how to be abased. I learned how to abound. I learned how to be happy. I learned how to be sad. I think that dealing with, dealing with um, that when Ronald Reagan was in charge, a lot of people didn't like it. When, when, if you go back in history, a lot of people didn't like Carter. A lot of people didn't like Clinton. A lot of people didn't like, I mean, uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, all, the, all the presidents have had uh, challenges. Uh, when Nixon won, people were surprised when Nixon won back then. I mean, so there, you may not remember all that, but, but throughout history, there's been conflict in politics. As Christians, we just have to be above the fray. Come on, say pray above the fray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, need, I have one more, right? What was the one more? Right here? Was that it? Yeah, because I, I got to go. If you already asked a question, you can ask me after church. Yes. Um, my question, my concern is... Uh, how do I, as a mother, a grandmother of a young, young African-American males mm -hmm. in our society, and it just does not seem to be a local problem, it seems to be a nationwide problem, where you want them to have faith in God, and you tell them they can do anything, and, but there are concerns that they're prejudged, and that, you know, as a mother, grandmother, you're always concerned about their safety, everyday things that happen in the news. So how do we teach them to, to have a respect for uh, people in position? Respect, is, respect is, 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 is about being wise. Being wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. It's just smart. Police officer stops you, smart. Just put you on the steering wheel, have your license out. Yes, sir, what can I do for you? Would you mind? Do your best. To, I mean, if it gets out of control, it's not your fault, which I, in some cases I think it did. I think in some of the officers, you know, I, anyway, I, 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 I don't know everything. I was, I was not happy with some of the outcome. 
but I've, I've been stopped. Um, I've been, um, I laugh, a guy stopped me in um, um, Beverly Hills, and he said, uh, it, it was just the two of us, I said, you stopped me because I was black. He said, he laughed, he said, yeah, I did. And he, he, he did. He told me. I said, okay. And we both laughed. We both laughed. And uh, I said, I'm new here. I work at Cannon Fitzgerald. I'm a new employee here. He said, well, I've never seen you out here on Cannon Drive. You know, he's a black guy riding around on Cannon Drive in a car. It's like, okay, in a red Firebird. Who are you? Small beat, you know. And um, is that fair? Probably not. Um, but, you know, we shook hands and I walked away and, and he never stopped me again. So I don't, I, I, there are things that are unfair he has to learn how to manage. I, my first thought was adapt and overcome. You, you can't run from what's true and you can't be afraid. You have to, the military term, adapt and overcome. You're not, you're, look, unfairness, more, more black people are killed by black people, more white people are killed by white people, more Asian people are killed by Asian people. Um, um, more more um, un injustice is done um, by people within the same race um, than across races, in my opinion, overall. I think more women are misused and abused, whether you be white, black, a whatever color. Profiling is done um, not just from black men. Uh, women, in general, are mistreated. They're judged as sexual objects and people who don't have a personality and opinion and, and their job, you see one, you whistle at her and lust after her, and that's all she's good for. That's a, a really big bias, whether you're white, black, or whatever color you are. So I think that injustice is something you have to learn how to adjust to and overcome. And you teach them by your example. You've done that. You've adjusted. You've overcome. Went to school, got educated, had a great career, raised some boys. You know, you, you hung in there. And your boys have made it, and they'll make it. If your boys can make it, they can make it. They'll be fine. And the great thing is they got you as a foundation. And, and so I feel like um, the greatest thing from all of this is we've learned today. Did I help you today? Interesting conversation? Praise God. Thank you. Father, we thank you for all that's been said today. I thank you for the fact that I listened, heard the hearts, the questions of those who gathered. Thank you for the opportunity to share with them. I pray, God, that whatever I said today, whatever I demonstrated was from the heart and that they leave here saying, we talked about the world we lived in today. I didn't just preach a text. I listened to their questions. And I did my best. I pray that we would not allow the frustrations of all this happening around us to overcome us. We, we know there are a lot of people frustrated, and that's across all genders, races. There are some hurt people everywhere, Jesus. Some hurt people up in middle of Georgia, where all of the uh, farms are. There's some people hurting, Lord God, in the inner city. There are some families that are about to lose their farms. There are some families about to lose their homes. There are people, God, that are sick that can't get health care. There are people, God, that are worried about their next paycheck. There are people with no reserves and no savings and no career and some in school wondering if they can finish. There are a lot of hurting people. And in the middle of all that, fighting over foolishness. Help us to get focused as a country and as a people. Help us as a church to pray about our community. Be concerned about our own mayor and our own political environment here in this very city. The city, the city, um, uh, the school board dynamics that are going on right now. We pray for peace and unity on the school board. We pray, God, that you touch 
those that are in charge. And we pray your hand upon them. We ask you, Lord God, to bring peace to us and grace as we go forward. Thank you for this opportunity.